0: Welcome to the Advisor Arena podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Advisor Arena podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Malm, and I've got my co-host, Josh Watson. How are you, Josh?
0: I'm doing great. Jamie, how are you today?
1: Good. Have we ever shared the nicknames that one of our favorite agents, Rager Tom, has for us? Every time I say "Josh no. Watson, I think about it.
0: What is it? You
1: don't remember your nickname that he calls an ass for you every time?
0: Who, Tom Lowry? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Watson?
1: Yeah, I was thinking it was like Dear Watson, I don't know. He asked for at the same time. I always know when it's him calling because at the receptionist will say, I have somebody asking for mom the bomb. It's Ranger Tom. So anyway, when I say Josh Watson, I don't say your full name very often. It always makes makes me think of Tom asking for you.
0: (laughs) Yes, elementary dear Watson. (laughs) Elementary Dear Watson.
1: Yes, that is what he calls you. Anywho. We've got uh, just you and I on the show today, and we are doing a little Q1 update, talking about how quarter one wrapped up and what some of the emerging trends are so we can prepare a little bit here for the future, right?
0: I, yes, 100%. It's uh, we're finally through, I shouldn't say finally, we are, I mean, it went pretty quick through the first quarter of 2021. So it kind of feels like we went into this year, maybe not really knowing exactly what to expect, but I feel like after the first quarter, things are starting to become a little more clear and uh, we're starting to head in a good direction here.
1: So for anybody that's listening, thinking, ugh, I've had my fill of updates and talking about what's going on in the news and what's going on. Let me just share that my sister has started a group sibling text that basically consists only of funny memes talking about not wanting any more updates on COVID, vaccines, status of masks, state of the economy. So I get it, but still important info to know, especially if you're in financial services. So We're going to try to keep it light and just stay high level on the things that you really need to know, things that could impact you and your clients.
0: Exactly. And I think uh, some of the information we're going to talk about, too, I mean, marketing and some of the trends we're seeing there, like you said, they're very important and um, good to know as we head into the, you know, the rest of the year here, what other people are doing, having success with kind of the things we're seeing out there right now.
1: Yep. So along those same lines, there are really three categories that we want to give updates on. One is the economic update, one is market update, and then one is marketing update. So the economic update, um, which really kind of sets the stage, it creates the platform for the other things, is what I want to talk about first. So obviously, vaccines are all over the news. People are getting vaccinated. Whatever your view on that is, it's happening, which gives people hope that things get back to normal a little bit it is normalizing some things Um, i know where we're at the mask mandate has um, been eliminated and you can tell people are starting to be hopeful that trends into our economy stimulus checks are out so people are going to take that stimulus money they're going to go spend it in their local economies and unemployment is down so three big things right there that are really impacting the economy that i think we can all just take a step back and look at we can see those kinds of things with our own eyes right we don't need somebody to necessarily tell us that we can see those things happening
0: totally and just to like give you an example i tried to buy a new like pickup truck here recently and i could not find a pickup truck that i wanted because before the pickup truck even hit the lot it would generally be sold. Mm -hmm. So that just goes to show you, I mean, that's a good indicator in my opinion, if people are buying cars and buying lots of cars, I think that's a very good sign for the economy. So that was one thing that like really struck me here recently. I was like, wow, you know, things, I mean, all this demand, can't hardly get a car. There is, that's a great thing for our economy and for the rest of this year. So I was pretty pumped about that actually.
1: Yeah, really good point. Bummed that you didn't get your truck, but glad for what that means for our overall lives. So good point. Um, one thing that we might not see necessarily if somebody isn't telling us, but a really good indicator of what's gonna happen is GDP. And last year, I can't remember the month, but at its low, it was negative 3.5. It's forecasted to be positive 8%, which i couldn't have told you what gdp levels were if my life depended on it without looking at this however that's the first time it's hit that level since the 50s i think that's incredibly hopeful
0: yes that's uh that's actually amazing you think here we are just a year later and we were at a negative three and now they're forecasting a positive eight in a developed country i mean that's that's big time that's really cool
1: And one thing to note that, again, I think people can probably see this some yourself. I mean, I get asked, well, what do you think the markets are going to do? I know our our GI marketers get asked that. Um, But corporate earnings, really, that reflects profitability of the companies. And the more consistent that is, the faster growth we see of earnings, that drives stock prices higher of course the inverse is true as well so we should have seen a big market correction more than what we saw last year just the quick dip because of those corporate earnings however it stayed consistent and i think last fall there was a market commentary that we put out saying there's three factors that would determine the future of the u.s stock market and that was overall state of the economy stimulus and what Biden was trying to pass and the state of COVID, which was largely going to be impacted by vaccines. And we're seeing all of those come to fruition, which sets, up the, sets us up nicely then for how the market might respond, which is the second topic we want to talk about.
0: Yes. So a good point. I mean, uh, would we sit on a phone call with Mike Binger here uh, early this week, late last week, in regard to the market, and that was one of the things he was very high on were those three things and corporate earnings. And so um, he's a professional, obviously, uh, when it comes to the market. And so I think when anything like that, I listen to him when he talks about it, and it was great news to hear, in my opinion.
1: Yep. And let's just stop and talk about Mike for a minute. He's our chief investment officer and is available to our advisors and is available to their clients, which is huge. Usually you can't go connect a money manager that is on Fox Business News and CNBC and Bloomberg and out on all of these national news platforms to just say, hey, let's call him up. Let's see what he thinks about that. He's available for Clients. I mean, you'd it, be crazy not to take advantage of that. He is so well versed in exactly what's going on. If you have questions or if your clients have questions, let's take advantage of the resources that we have because that's what he does all day long. So I'm glad you brought that up because he is a great resource for our advisors, which ultimately then benefits our clients.
0: Yes. I mean, he's had uh, another good example of him just going above and beyond. He goes to client appreciation events that are agents and advisors put Mm -hmm. on just to talk about what we're talking about, you know, where he sees the market and the different solutions they have, how they can help. So really good resource to have. And uh, not only a really good resource, I mean, he just knows that side of the business. And so huge to have on our team.
1: Yeah, agreed. He's going to be talking at our summit next week in Kansas City. For So for those of you that are listening, that are joining us there, looks a little bit different, of course, this year. A um, much smaller group, so we can socially distance and adhere to all the CDC guidelines. But hopefully this is the last event we'll do like this. Um, but Mike will be on stage. He will be presenting. He will be doing a much more in-depth overview and forecast than what we're going through today. So look forward to that if you're joining us there. Um, one of the things to look at with market update, and if you're looking at any, gosh, there's there's papers, there's white papers, there's you know news, there's articles, there's so much that's talking about higher interest rates. I think it creates confusion on what that really means, but interest rates have been at all time lows and they've been there for quite some time. So just one key thing to think of, which everybody in the industry probably knows, but clients certainly don't typically understand is the inverse relationship between interest rates and bonds. So if we are for or if, excuse me, if we're back testing uh, a certain index or returns that have been heavily weighted in bonds, as interest rates have dropped over the last 30 years, bonds have gone up. Well, now we're about as low as we can go with interest rates. We really only have one way to go but up. What happens to bonds when that happens? They go down. They go down. Yep, so really something to keep in mind when you're talking to people about their desire for safety and protection and they you know, they may think, oh gosh, bonds have just been so good for me the last several years, I'm gonna stay in them. It's something to note because I think our federal uh, officials have said they're not super concerned about the increase in rates they're likely not going to do anything to keep them low their concern over higher rates um you know isn't they're not going to step in and do anything unless it really hinders the recovery of our economy which means we can expect some more volatility in the markets that's you know people's feelings about those higher interest rates are going to create some expected volatility here moving forward most likely 100%
0: 100% agree. I mean, Hey, if I can just uh, put my money in the met, the bank and, you know, make a decent interest rate as opposed to, you know, play the stock market, that's maybe something to think about. So I think that definitely as rates go up, you will start to see some volatility in the market. Um, and overall, um, but Hey, I mean, that's, uh, it's just another cycle we're going to go through. So yeah. you just got to be a long-term investor and, and, and ride the wave.
1: I think that kind of sums up what they're forecasting, which is expect volatility. I mean, if you think that it's it's we're never gonna have volatility, that's crazy, and we probably will this year. People are still cautious, but they are kind of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, and their activity in the market is reflecting that. But that cautiousness is going to possibly cause them to react maybe a little more strongly or quickly than they normally would. Um, so, just something to keep your eye on. Um, but our favorite topic, the third topic for an update, is marketing. And you and I live this all day long. I know uh, most of our advisors would probably tell you this feels like the biggest obstacle always, but certainly over the last year has been the biggest disruption to their business is finding out how do we keep marketing on track.
0: I would 100% agree with that. I mean, Wow, last year we went from everybody was doing seminars, things were going great, to those were completely shut down. Now we all have to pivot. We have to look for other lead sources. So that was tough. But I think things this year, we're starting to see them normalize a little bit more, and people are starting to get more back or back more to what they were doing before for marketing, doing some more workshops and in-person events. While at the same time, staying balanced with it and also keeping those other lead funnels maybe that they set up last year in place so i think it's really going to help people that were adaptive and and implemented new things
1: yeah and it's fun to see kind of the trends over you know month by month what's occurring and we do get reports and analysis on that because we oftentimes are paying for the marketing that our advisors are taking advantage of. We actually go pay those invoices. So that's one really easy way we can track to say, well, who are we paying? Who are they using for marketing? And we've seen such a shift in the majority of that going, you know, from seminars and seminar vendors to lead generation. That just online lead generation and buying leads has really taken over. And while it's kind of smoothing out and seminars are coming back, that's still, you can tell people are, are really sticking with some of those diversified methods. They're not just going back to the way they used to do things.
0: You're right. And you know, what's funny is I've talked to some, some of our advisors and they were big doing workshops, doing seminars. I mean, that's how they, they market it. Well, once the the COVID stuff hit and they had to switch and pivot and find other lead sources, they've worked those other lead sources now and now though some of them are saying I don't I don't want to go back to seminars now I've got this other lead source it's working well I'm writing just as much business as I was before so I may just stick with this so um, there are some really positive things that have coming out that have come out of all this as well
1: Yep, and I think um, the report that we're getting on seminars you can see seminar spending is up in fact we just did uh, an episode with one of our agents who has really been a leader in keeping seminars going. The key thing, and we talked about it on that episode, but the key thing that we're seeing with seminars is you can't expect these 2% returns. That's It's been so long since we've seen anything like that. If somebody's telling you that, they're cherry picking the very best return that they've ever heard of and calling that the norm. I think you have to expect smaller groups and you have to use that to your advantage how do you create more engagement how do you build more rapport how do you you know work the fact that they are smaller groups into um you know work, work it to your favor
0: totally Yep. You're exactly right. I mean, that's the key. I think with the smaller groups, it really helps you make that connection maybe more uh, with more people in the audience. Uh, One of the things you don't have to worry about is maybe some of the hecklers, you know, that you maybe had to worry about before. It's easier to control the room, I guess, you know, and the know-it-all. So there's a lot of advantages to the smaller groups. Just do, hey, instead of doing two nights, do three nights and you're, you're still seeing as many people.
1: So five top categories for marketing, and I believe this is in order. The last update I saw for the end of March, lead generation was number one, digital seminars number two, believe it or not, followed by TV, radio, traditional in-person seminars. So those are your top five in that order.
0: Yes, and it'll be interesting to see how those things kind of switch around here, if at all uh, as we move forward and things open up, but yeah, I'm, uh, I, I leads that sounds, uh, that sounds about right. So, um, but the TV, wow. So there's been a lot of people that you've seen start to switch over to TV and they're having good results with it. So that one actually kind of shocks me to see that in the top three there.
1: Mhm, It did me too, because I feel like people stopped spending money on more of the, you know, the really, quote unquote, expensive marketing type things. And TV is definitely on the higher end of the spectrum when we talk about a marketing budget. So I was kind of surprised to see that it was still in the top three, which goes to show how effective it is if you can fit it into your marketing budget. People didn't let go of that. If they could afford to keep it going, they did, because TV and radio and social media, those are all ways to get your information out there and drive it back to generate your own leads which we all know the benefit of that so i think um you know as we talk about marketing and you we talk about what's working for others of course it's important to just look to see you know what fits your area what fits your budget what fits your goals which is part of what we're here to help with um but ultimately the goal of course is you just want to sit down and you want to talk to people and if you get an opportunity to sit down and talk to somebody about what they're wanting you have to know what's going on in the world which makes this kind of all circle back on each other right you have to know how the economy is impacting maybe the choices that they make, the psychology that goes behind their decision-making ability right now. How are they feeling about the volatility in the market and unemployment rates and everything that is creating, you know, possibly anxiety in their life? That all goes into building that rapport and those relationships. So it's just kind of one never-ending circle that we want to pay attention to and make sure we're all well-versed in so we can be you know, the greatest asset to our clients that we can be.
0: Yes. And pivoting. I mean, we've got to be able to be flexible, uh, continue to stay on top of information and what's going on out there, how it affects us and our clients. And uh, if we can do that, we're just going to be that more impactful uh, in people's lives and be able to help them that much more, be able to relate to them more. And uh, it's just going to make everything better really from a business standpoint.
1: So this is going to be off topic just a bit, but you said pivoting and did you pick out a word in 2020 that was like, if I hear this word again or this phrase, I'm going to go crazy. Did you have a phrase like that?
0: Oh man, after last year, (laughs) there's probably like six of them.
1: Mine was in these, mine was in these unprecedented times, but also pivot one of my favorites and so anytime anybody says that which i still do also and i smile at myself because i think if somebody is like in quarantine doing a drinking game on how many times people say one of their phrases i hope i contributed to that so <laughs> right, i like it <laughs> in these no unprecedented God. times whoo! i got to a point where i thought i hope i never say that again i hope i never hear that again it just oh it was rolling off my tongue it's terrible
0: i think i think in quarantine if i could never hear the word quarantine again (laughs) i would be all right with that
1: yeah agreed okay so final topic here and it does relate to you know marketing and, and generating interest out there we can't ignore the fact that we are looking at what products are the best fit and i think it's a good reminder just to go back to basics on what are the you know the basic things that impact annuity pricing well first thing that we would look at is the 10-year treasury right that that hit i think an all-time low i don't even remember what it got down to last year do you
0: yeah it was down in the half percent range
1: yeah i can't remember Lowest exactly percent. but it's had almost a full percent so maybe a little bit more rebound now this year and that obviously is good for annuity pricing to have it as low as it was. I mean, they didn't even price the minimum guarantees for annuity products, thinking that the 10-year treasury would go that low. So as we see that increase, that is a very good indicator of how competitive annuity products and rates are going to be. The other thing that I know consumers get confused about, and you know, sometimes advisors do too, is how these annuity companies price their caps and rates and par rates and how they can afford to put writers and all those things on their products. Remember, every company has a hedging budget and that's what they use to go buy options, right? So when I go buy options, I I have a certain amount of money that I can spend. It's like if I go to a high-end retailer or a discount store, it just depends on how much I can buy. And highly volatile indices that we want to lock in annually, like the S&P, those cost more. Those are expensive. So if I only have a certain budget, I can't pass on as much gains if I'm trying to do that. That's why you saw S&P par rates that lock in annually kind of plummet over the last year. It's why we see such an increase in these volatility controlled indices that lock in every two or three years. They're not as expensive. So the companies are looking for opportunities to still give clients really competitive accumulation potential, but they only have so much money to spend and they're looking for the best opportunities for growth. So if you're wondering why when the market's rebounding and things are going well, why why are annuity prices still where they're at that's what they're looking for it's the volatility oftentimes that creates that
0: yes that's a very uh, very good and simple explanation which it's kind of a you know if you think about it it's a little more complicated but the way you just broke it down it's very easy to understand and so what's good on we and we're starting to see it starting to see some rate increases out there we're getting, uh, getting notifications every day of this company or that company is going to be raising rates. So there are, there are some positive things we're starting to see from those rate increases.
1: What annuity products do you like best right now? What are we looking at?
0: So I like, I like the new Heights, the nationwide new Heights select. I like it a lot. Then, uh, they've updated their payout factors, enhanced their income payouts on that product. They've also made it a lot easier to do business. So before, if you wanted to allocate, you know, between multiple indexing strategies, you had to set up multiple contracts with nationwide. Now you can do it all under the same contract. So they've made it a lot easier to do business, enhance that income payout. And with the enhancements, honestly, they're top, they're pretty much top three, if not number one or two in a lot of income scenarios and most income scenarios. So really liking that one right now.
1: I agree. And Nationwide is such a well-known name. I mean, we don't have a lot of companies in the independent channel where consumers just recognize them and know the strength of the company by name. So Nationwide, always a strong one for that reason, too.
0: Yes, exactly. A-plus rated, huge name. It, uh, It always feels, or we always hear, I should say, that whenever somebody presents Nationwide, someone will either, you know, say the jingle or oh yeah I've heard of that company you know so it's always an easy conversation will you sing it for us the jingle nationwide is on your side that was beautiful I'm impressed you did it thank you I mean I do karaoke quite a bit on the weekends
1: they do have good commercials I'm a big fan of Brad Paisley and I think he with Peyton Manning is hilarious so big fan of the nationwide yeah.
0: commercials they have they have a huge brand obviously i mean they're, they do. they're if not i mean they've got to be like what a top 10 like known brand i don't even in know US, but i would, I would think, think i would think
1: okay so let me share one that i like and i'll tell you one of the reasons maybe one of the less obvious reasons that i like this company silac which is the new name for equitable uh same company they just did a name change they have what's called fixed level pricing so going back to how companies set their budgets and you said when i was done there's a lot more that goes into that yes thank you for clarifying if any actuaries are listening i know that you're cringing at the simplistic explanation i get it just close your ears But that's a pretty simple way, pretty basic way to explain it. So I'm going to take the same approach to fixed level pricing. Basically, they're going to spend the same amount of money every year to go buy those options. So the reason that's important is let's say this year I'm going to spend I'm just going to keep it really simple. I've got five dollars to spend. I'm going to go buy whatever I can with five dollars. Maybe that buys me, you know, 50 percent par rate next year when we're looking at renewals, I'm gonna go spend that same $5. I'm not trying to decide next year, well, how much do I wanna spend? Maybe we're only gonna spend three this year. Nope, I'm gonna go buy whatever my $5 can get me. Now it may not buy as much. That depends on the market and the economy and all the other things we talked about. But the company is gonna go spend the exact same amount. So that is really important to understand if you are worried about renewal rates and how competitive a carrier might be in the future. I love SILAC for that reason. They're very transparent with how they do their pricing, fixed level pricing. They're going to go spend the same amount of money. And that helps, I think, put people's mind at ease that, you know, we've got the best chance at keeping renewals consistent as we can. And they've been very competitive Mm -hmm. for accumulation and income that has a free rider. So lots of lots going on with SILAC. I like them.
0: I do too. And I've never had one complaint about renewal rates because of that option level pricing. So that's a great thing about them. You don't have to worry about getting an egg on your face two, three, four years down the road with renewals.
1: Right. Let's do one more. Top three product. If you have to pick a third, who are you going with?
0: I'm going with the Guarantee Income Life Insurance Guarantee Growth Plus product. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the performance of the S&P 500 Mark Five Index. So it's done really well. Plus, on that product, you get a 105 percent participation rate. No cap, no spread, no fee. Just 105 percent of whatever the index does. And it so locks in annually. Yep, annual reset. So I know advisors love that. Um, that S&P Mark Five Index was up like close to nine percent last year so it's performed well in an up market it's we've seen it do well in a in a down market so it's been consistent plus in my opinion that product has the best no fee income rider out of any out of any free income rider out there so 4% guaranteed no matter what so what's important to understand about that is let's say You know, one year you have really good performance. You're in, and your account value outperforms your income base. Your account value becomes the new income base. The next year you have a down year. You still get your four percent guarantee. Yeah, you can flip back and forth,
1: which is very unique. I don't, I don't know if everybody knows how unique that is, but you can flip back and forth between the four percent and the higher index gains year by year.
0: Exactly. So that's really cool. A lot of most companies don't do that. That's they're, they're the only company I know that does that. Yeah. So that's cool. You're getting your 4% no matter what. And it has that uh, home health care doubler based off two of six activities of daily living. So they'll double your income. And again, that's at no fee. So a lot of ton of value there. If you look at just the income payout and, and all the features of the product, but also what's available to the beneficiaries at the end, if it performs decent, it's pretty impressive and a lot of value to the client.
1: One of the things I think is um, consistent with all three of those products that we just talked about is the combination of the competitiveness between the growth side and the income side, right? Both carriers are offering a really good balance between the two. You're not completely foregoing any potential gains in the contract to squeeze out a few more dollars of income or you know completely giving up any kind of income because they've put all the money into you know unsustainable caps and rates it's a really competitive balance of both which makes it a well-rounded product lineup and i think that's kind of where the the future is headed as far as what we're able to offer which is a good thing so good summary thank you
0: yes yes that was awesome
1: okay so quarter one behind us 2021 has let's call it a cautious but positive outlook jordan my sister if you're listening i will not talk any longer about vaccines or masks or mandates or covid maybe go back and listen to this and pick out your phrase or your word do a drinking game if we hit one that you just absolutely hate but we thank you for joining us I hope that there's something in here that you can take and use in your business. The number one thing to take away is just communicate. If you're an advisor listening to this, go communicate this info to your consumers. Make sure you're talking to them about what to expect or how they feel, or if there've been changes in their life they need to um, you know, talk to you about to make changes to their plan. If you're a consumer listening to this, do the same thing to your advisor. Open communication. Let's make sure we're talking about everything that's going on. And that applies to the overall plan we have set. If you want additional resources, you can always find that on our Facebook page, which is The Advisor Arena. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're everywhere. Go find us as usual. Subscribe, rate, and review if this was helpful. We appreciate it. See you next week,
0: Josh. Thanks, everyone. See you, Jamie.